Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, your client loaned $100,000 to a former business partner to use to flip properties, but the former partner used the money to pay off his own personal debts. Yeah, Dennis, the challenge here was that the defendant claimed to not have any money. Even his own lawyer claimed the defendant wasn't paying him. So how did you resolve it? Well, we put his money where his mouth was, asking, why don't you just agree to stipulate to a judgment that would save our client and his tens of thousands of dollars pursuing this matter in court. Now my client has a judgment as though he had gone to trial and won. Well, that's another real success. Folks, I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. This is the Brock Lurie Podcast with me, my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. Uh, today, we, we talk about a couple of uh, somewhat off-topic things, but as you'll see, it's always on topic one way or the other. Today, we're going to talk about, well, the burning issue, the obvious issue, the Muppets. All right? Yes, that's right. I said it, the Muppets. Now, here's a show that I used to love as a young boy and uh, with, you know, Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy and the two old men in the in the canopy and watching the show and, and you know hackling them hacking them and so on. What's what heckling them? Um, and Fozzie Bear and all those guys. Uh, my favorite was Scooter, by the way, that uh, kind of goofy and nerdy guy. I just thought it was very funny. And why do I bring up the Muppets? Because there's a new TV show that reflects the Muppets. And if you've watched The Muppets and have enjoyed it as much as I have, and then, of course, also enjoy the, the movies that uh, The Muppets have done, well, you know what I'm talking about. But there's a new TV show, and it, uh, it, it tries to showcase how wonderful it is by being so postmodern. You're talking about the remake of the, the yes, new version. the new of version the of it, yeah. Yes. And uh, it's, it's fairly recent and uh, talks about, uh, you know, Issues of gay marriage and abortion and everything that's liberal. Isn't this for children? You would think. <laughs> but you would think they would stick with something that is, is tried and true and they can milk it, right? I mean, it's, you, you wouldn't. The next Star Wars movie, which I'm hoping is going to be excellent, right? I, I'm hoping that they're not going to try to make it, uh, you know, like some sort of uh, version of Titanic, the movie Titanic, right? Or, or anything else. I, just stick to the formula, <laughs> okay? The force. You know, zoom with the laser and some Wookiee noises here and there, and and make a slightly different story and uh, repackage it for me, please, very much. And I, and, and I'll have some popcorn with that, and we're good to go. I don't think you're going to be happy. I already heard there's a gay character. Oh come on! No, I'm serious. In the Star Wars movie? Yes. <sighs> I know. Well, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you going to do? Or maybe maybe they hint at a gay character that it's just something, but no, it's uh, it, it, yeah. they speak. It, it, it plays into the into the storyline. It's there for a reason of some agenda, which I think is what you're talking about here with the Muppet reboot, yeah, kind of thing. All right, well, uh, so I'm, but, I'm but, very but, but sorry. It's, it's I, you know, let's wait until we see the movie to to judge that because if it's one thing if they're preaching gay marriage, that's you know that's not good. That's that really is odd. If it's on the other hand, they're trying to simply uh, have a reflection of the times uh, that you know that happens to be two men are are holding hands at one particular in a, in a in a cafe during one of the famous bar scenes, you know, and then then okay, it's not such a big deal. But you get the idea, right? Uh, you know, you don't you don't, tr- you don't mess with a formula like that, right? You, you you don't try to say, well, okay, we we're we've all decided to to not fight each other, and uh, the empire and the rebels are are now trying to engage in diplomacy. And only to to talk to each other all the time. We're trying to prevent the sea rise on Endor. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That would be bad, right? Okay, so going back to the Muppets, they've decided to do that equivalent when it comes to the Muppet show. And they talk about all sorts of classically liberal issues. And surprise, surprise, the show is tanking. It's doing terribly. 
And one would think, as, as you say, well, how could they let this happen, right? It's, it's like the Edsel, right? Why, why do they let this thing go out into production? Uh, or any of the other, you know, famous calamities in business, whether it's the new Coke or, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. There's so many, so many examples, and unfortunately, I can't think of any. But, but there are really some bad ideas in business right there, and this is a bad idea. It doesn't resonate with people. So how could this be? And it goes into our larger picture. It's because the liberal mindset sees its own world of its own beliefs and believes that by simply telling everyone about it, that therefore everyone else is going to be on board. Okay? That's, that's the way they think. They don't realize that they live in a truly small microcosm, even within their own left-leaning sympathizers. They're, they're not as dogmatic about it as you think that they are. Now, the producers of the film, yes, they are. And many people who watch it, especially in New York and Los Angeles, they are. But for the vast majority of the people, they don't want to hear this nonsense. They don't want to hear about, uh, you know, gay this or an abortion that and, and, and climate change and so on. They, they, they know when they're being sucker punched, when they're or, being played. Or Kermit the Frog sexually harassing Miss Piggy in the uh, inappropriate location of the workplace. Yes, Something exactly like right. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be like an offshoot of The Office, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's just, it, putting aside the fact that it's very different than the original Muppets. Um, so, so why even have the Muppets do it, right? Why, why not have something else that's, you know, that, that conveys that idea? But, but that's, put, put that aside. I'm really fascinated with, with their utter inability to see that the people don't want this. How can, Hollywood is so good about trying to market and figuring out what works and what doesn't work, right? They, they, they do interesting studies about things that they can blend from successful movies of the past and, and therefore try to make um, another movie that, that kind of fuses a couple of things. For example, like the movie Alien and, and Aliens, right? You know, here's, it's really a, it's a Wild West movie when you think about it to some extent, and, and it's, it's also woman empowerment. So you, now you have something different, right? It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, an, an action movie with a woman being the lead What's not to like, right? And you would think they would they would kind of study these things a little bit more, and they are not studying it. And so, by conveying this this show, well, I think they only have themselves to blame. It's also an interesting thing here because if you're going to put stuff in that's catered to the the you know coastal elites, the New York and uh, Los Angeles you know, fancy dandy swells, you would think you would put these kind of things in the kind of programming those swells would watch rather than some family-friendly entertainment that hipsters aren't going to tune into anyway. Yeah, that's it's so true. The Muppets as a brand is designed by its very nature for flyover com- country. Right. So why put in the kinds of things that are going to repulse the audience from flyover country mm-hmm. in flyover country content? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even, even a show like Sex in the City... Right, I mean that's classic. Uh, it's 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 a it's a show about uh, four adult women that are single and such in New York City. So, liberal elite stuff, coastal elite, like you say. Um, but even they're they're smart enough not to delve too deeply into the liberal issues, right? I mean, presumably Sarah Jessica Parker and all and and, and everyone else in that that crew are are fairly liberal, and the producers and such. But they were smart enough not to beat us over the head with liberal mantras. But, but now they're doing it with the Muppets, for crying out loud, which, you know, you, you want to show the Muppets yet again to your kids, and you get this instead. Uh, and I want to move on to a different topic, but what I'm, what I'm really fascinated about is how they could direct this, how the, the, the incredible fail in their endeavor to make money out of this and to somehow preach a message that they thought would somehow stick, and it's, it utterly backfires on them. And it's because of this tunnel vision of liberalism and this utter inability to see what resonates with, with the actual population of the United States. There's no way they, they would put out a, a, a series thinking that it's going to fail, right? I mean, the same way you, you don't get married you know, expecting to divorce. You get married thinking you're, you're, everything's going to work out. And likewise, when they put on a show, they don't put on a show 
and, and put in all the elements necessary to, to make it fail. They, they try to succeed. And this one, clear fail. And I, and I wonder, not just, well, I guess I don't wonder. I know that what they're doing is, uh, it reflects their utter inability to focus on what works. Anyway, that's, that's I, I would say that's what Hollywood, uh, that's Hollywood for you. But really, it's, it's what liberalism is all about. It's, it reflects liberalism at large. And it also, look how it extends its destructive tentacles into everything. No, it doesn't look at anything. The church, marriage, the Muppets is sacred to leave its political anti-gun pro-gay marriage agenda out of. Yeah. Everything <clears throat> yeah. Has, has to be infected with it. Yeah. Everything. It's, it's, it's like you can't, you can't escape it. It's... It's like when Janet Jackson revealed her uh, breast in, in the Super Bowl. It's like, you know, one place, not just one place, but one among several places you don't expect to see nudity or surprise nudity, at least, uh, is a Super Bowl. And, and I want my kids to be able to watch it without worry that something crazy might happen in the middle of the show. And then I have to explain to them. So the same sort of thing with the Muppets. So this, this is, you're right, it, it, that's a good way of putting it. The liberals... It's as if they, they seek to ruin everything. Yes. And they just, it, they can't leave well enough. They can't just say, you know, um, maybe we shouldn't be talking about anal sex to a fourth grader. Maybe. On Sesame Street. Yeah, on, yeah, on Sesame Street for sure. But but on in, in the schools. I mean, like, right. can we just, I, I mean, my children don't even know what sex is yet. I mean, right? I mean, and, and they're supposed to know first about anal sex. What's going on in this, this culture of ours? Can't we just learn the basics first? And yes, be, be tolerant of people who are different than us. I get that. But do we have to really delve into this? this and, and then all the other agendas that they want to force in us. Because it always comes at the expense of other things that are important. Every time you, you teach a child an hour of climate change agendas, it's, it's an hour that you don't teach them about the, the, the sacrifices of the Revolutionary War or how to read or how to, to do fractions. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's a zero-sum game, my friends. Every, every time you teach one thing, it's going to be at the expense of the other thing because, as it turns out, there still are only 24 hours in the day and only so, so many hours that kids are willing to, to spend in school. And, and likewise with the Muppets, you know, they, they want to focus you, your attention only on, on their thing. And if the Muppets could instead, if they wanted to be really different, maybe, you know, go back in time and, and reflect, uh, you know, one Muppet will be uh, like Paul Revere. Another Muppet will be like George Washington or something like that and, and have fun that way, but at least teach history. But no, no. Instead, they're teaching the agenda that they wanted to teach. Anyway. Um, it's all uh, reflective of liberalism itself, and I, I'm sad about it um, because, look, I, I like to see fun things succeed. I'd like to see, I would like to see the Muppets succeed, but uh, that, that's not their mission. Their mission is to, to uh, for an agenda, and they found this Muppets uh, um, a franchise, and they decided to ride that franchise. And thinking that somehow we'd all be duped into and, and brainwashed or whatever, subliminally uh, educated because we're watching the Muppets and not realizing that we're in fact learning all these wonderful liberal agenda items. That's a brilliant point. I didn't even think about it. I mean, th that's what they really think. They think, oh, I know, middle America will sit down, they'll see the Muppets are okay with gay uh, marriage, and thus... Well, if it's okay with Miss Piggy and Kermit, it must be okay. Right. It's part of the mainstreaming process. Damn, Kim Davis. Fill out my, my uh, thing now. <laughs> right. It's all part of the mainstreaming process, and, and I, I'm concerned about it. It's, uh, and watch out for it, because that's what they want to do. They want to mainstream everything. And it's not even, the bad part isn't even just the mainstreaming. It's what you said earlier. It's wrecking everything. Yeah. Can't you just let anything just be what it is? You know, it's like, can, can we just read a story without it being some exploration of the feminist struggle? <laughs> you know, one of the things, and, and this... This ties in, and I want to launch into my next point, but it really does actually tie into it, which is the destruction of our society by way of destroying religion and religious principles. What do I mean by that? Uh, we, we've talked before about the analogy of the sun, right, where if you take away the sun, what happens to the planets? They, they fly away. 
And eventually, of course, their respective atmospheres get stripped away and their oxygen gets lost. Everyone dies. Okay? Not, not good things will happen. Um, and also very dark things will happen in the process. And, that, and that's it. Okay? And that's the way it is with religion. Religion, uh, and I mean the Judeo-Christian uh, mindset and the institutions of, that, that have created America, they are the sun. They are what holds us together. And if you don't have those things, you gain, not only do you lose the, the planets around you in terms of, you know, the structure, law and order, um, you know, a sense of advancement uh, in, in both culture and uh, innovation. Um, not only do you lose those things, but you also lose all perspective at the same time. Suddenly, you're focusing on things that you would think before are just crazy to focus on. And yeah, one of those examples is gay marriage. I, I, it, it just befuddles me. Not, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, well, we should let gays get married or civil union. Fine, you can, you can, you can debate that if you want. But it's another thing that, to have the, the whole national debate focus around that. The, 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 the animation, the, the emotions behind it, the, the tears involved... Um, and, and calling it a civil rights issue, the greatest civil rights issue of the day since the 60s. Really? This is, I mean, that was part of, I think, the, the kind of the eyebrow-raising part of it for me, that there was so much energy into this. Instead of just saying, should we, shouldn't we? That's all, and then slowly move over time that way. But no, that's, that's what they're all about. Same thing about climate change, Right? Same thing about the Iranian deal. Same thing about um, the, the way we handle them, whether it's minimum wage or all the other domestic issues of the day. It, there's this bizarre amount of attention drawn to the most nonsensical ideas. I mean, Janice Prager says that the, when you don't believe in God, you end up, when you don't fight big evils, you end up pursuing little evils. Things that are that are no consequence, or that at least don't fight back, and that's what's happening in the liberal world, isn't it? They don't fight true evil, and and why should they? Because they don't believe in evil. Because they don't believe in God. You can't. You can't. I mean, it makes sense that if you don't believe in God, you're not going to believe in evil, right? Because everything is is relative at the end of the day. Anyway, I, I bring this up, and I, I jumped it from the Muppets to this this thing, and I, but but I'm saying it because. It, it, it's a reflection of how we are beginning to focus on the most mundane, bizarre things. And I, and I put it to you that if we really had a true reawakening of faith in this country, uh, it would be a fantastic country. Uh, right now, you know, we're, we're, we're still a great country. Don't get me wrong. I think uh, all the elements of, a, of our greatness still remain with us. But as a country, I give us a B plus right now. And it's, you know, gradually getting worse. It might be, become a B. But we have the capacity to become an A++ country. But we can't do it without God. That's right. I said that. And I, I, I believe it so firmly. Because without God, nothing matters. Right? Why, why, do, you, why do you even progress? Why have children? Children are, you know, a sacrifice to everyone's life. Do you have them just because they're cute to look at? I mean, do, you, do you really, what's the point? What's the point of anything? What, what's the point of um, making any advances? What's the point of writing a great book or uh, producing a great movie or uh, finding a cure for, for cancer? Why? why? Why not just live your own life and die, right? Just get it while you can and do the most for me, me, me. You see, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's clear, right? Anyway, I think it's clear to you. But it's not clear to one President Obama. Uh, and he recently, and we see Obama is recently in an interview, and he was talking about a book. And this is from the, um, the Gateway Pundit, I believe, and then which in turn comes from The Hill. And uh, Obama accuses religious Americans of being suspicious, that's in quotes, people. All right. Uh, in the, and he writes, in the unusual discussion, Obama revealed some of his longstanding frustrations with politics while asking an Iowa author questions about her family, her Christian faith, and her writings. And he asks her this question. And the question 
is very revealing. Quote, how do you reconcile the idea of faith being really important to you and you caring a lot about taking faith seriously with the fact that, at least in our democracy and our civic discourse, it seems as if folks who take religion the most seriously sometimes are also those who are suspicious of those not like them. Unquote. Okay. I won't even bother to what the answer was. The answer wasn't very meaningful. I'd like to ask the same question of the jihadis he gives weapons to. <laughs> but of course. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, right. I couldn't. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Putting aside the fact that he has, I mean, putting aside what you just said, which is a good point, uh, but he's, he's really attacking the Christians, right? I mean, he... he, he That's a he, slander. It's a total slander, of course. He doesn't focus whatsoever on the radical Muslims, uh, and why would he, of course, because he's never attacked Islam in any shape or form, even hinting, other than just kissing its proverbial butt, as it were. Uh, this man is so transparent. He truly is a transparent president in every way. He's completely evil, I'm convinced. Completely, just almost satanic. He's anti-Christian. It's Well, you've heard it from Ari David. I'm not quite yet ready to go there, but I will say that he is transparent, and he def- definitely has an agenda. Whether he's evil is another story. Uh, misguided, again, another story. Even if he has an agenda to, to pursue something to, to belittle America and to downgrade America, he may be thinking that he's doing it for the right reasons. So, you know, you you, you got to kind of assume that for a second. Now, but, but the comment, going back to the comment, listen to how he's so ready to attack Christians that they're the ones who are suspicious, I think is the word he used. And, like, how about... When we're talking about the Islamic fundamentalists, that they're the how about uh, what's the adjective I'm looking for? Murderous. Okay, they're they're actually killing people and they're beheading people and raping and enslaving and all that and the torture. This he has no problem with for some reason. But but look, putting aside all that, where's your evidence, Mr. President? I mean, it, it's a, a quip that you just said, but in what way are people like you and me, Ari, or uh, our Christian friends? Where, where are we so suspicious? Excuse me. I, what, what is it about it? I, you want to believe that, but it, again, it reflects that the, the Muppet mentality that we just talked about before. Here it comes back to the Muppets, right? The, this notion that what they want to believe is the reality, that they think that by saying that we're suspicious, that therefore we are suspicious. But but it's what they want to believe at the end of the day. Well, also, also, Obama has this amazing talent to always tell the truth, except he, his deception is that he doesn't tell you that he's speaking the truth about himself. Right. Yes, we're suspicious because of him. Yeah. Because of his behavior. Right. Because of his conduct these last seven years. Well. That's why we're suspicious. Yes. It, 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 does, it begs the question, Mr. President, suspicious of what? I, I think what he's trying to say, and I think it's kind of clear because, you know, we were talking about the same man who said... Uh, that, that those who are uh, cling to their uh, guns and religion, remember? Yeah. It's the same kind of mindset, right? So he's, you know, he wants to think of uh, religious people as people mostly down south who are a lot of hicks and they hold guns and and uh, they've got some, uh, you know, what do you call it, a blade, a blade of uh, grass in their in their mouth and and uh, they they cock their shotgun and and they say, "Move along, Mister." You know that that sort of thing. And, and of they course, use smokeless tobacco right. products. And there's there's a lot of inbreeding going along. <laughs> and they have a and they, car growing in the lawn. Yeah. And they say words like ain't and youngins a lot. <laughs> and y'all. Y'all, yeah, for sure. That's that's his image. It's a cartoonish image, right, isn't it? Uh, and it's just, it's so funny, like, this suspicion. that, that that's, So he, he suspects, when he thinks of Krishna, he thinks of that person. It's like a guy and, who watched Deliverance. Right. And by the way, I don't know that such a person actually exists, you know, in, in, the, in the Christian sense. I, I, frankly, the Christians I know are very thoughtful. They're very educated. Uh, they can read. They, they have all their teeth. Yeah, they're very tolerant. They don't do the boycotting. Uh, you know, and by contrast, those who are godless or liberal, uh, and, and by the way, I'm not quitting the two for the time being. I'm simply saying that those who are classically liberal in today's left-wing society and uh, classically godless, uh, sometimes there's a lot of you know, overlap, but they're, they're extremely intolerant. I mean, they, they, just look what happened with the gay marriage uh, issue as the, the debate was raging throughout the country. You know, who was boycotting who, right? Who was forcing you 
if, if you're a florist or a baker or a photographer to to perform your services at a gay wedding, who's who's boycotting if you you if you happen to contribute some money, happen to have contributed some money to the Proposition 8 campaign in California, who? Here's the best example of all. A couple weeks ago, there was an event on a weekend here in L.A. called the Slut Walk, in which some feminists put on this anti-rape culture Mm -hmm. event. A homosexual man and a beautiful libertarian woman um, went to the event to videotape what was going on and ask a couple questions. And when the homosexual man, who disagreed with the rape culture slut walk agendas by holding up a sign disagreeing with them, uh, showed up there, they called in the LAPD to have him removed because they didn't like his ideas. <laughs> Yeah, they're the tolerant ones, right? So, so he wrote the funniest line about it because he's a brilliant blogger. He wrote, so let me get this straight. Feminists who are arguing for female empowerment call in white male police officers to remove a homosexual right. from their myths. Yeah, it's hysterical. Look, I, mean, I, I go to a, a private school. Um, you mean I'm your sorry, children? My ch- I'm sorry. We sent our children. <laughs> children. Old. Yeah, that's right. That's a private school of the Muppets, I tell you. <laughs> anyway... Um, we sent our kids to a private school. It's, it's, you know, it's, we're lucky enough to be able to do so. However, it, it has some liberal agenda items to it. I'm pleased to say that it's, it's 50-50 conservative liberal, um, at least among the parents. And generally speaking, the kids adopt what their parents do, at least at this age. And um, we're constantly being assaulted by you know, global warming ideology, you know, gay rights. There, there are a few gay parents uh, who have uh, children. Uh, in the school, so you know, and, and I'm not suspicious. Where where can they point out that I'm suspicious? You know, if if I, and I'm religious, right? I'm, I'm very religious, and so are you, Ari. It's, but but we're we're constantly being assaulted, not only on the TV uh, by the by the TV, but in uh, on the streets. Uh, to say nothing of of the the culture. That is uh, hounding us, whether it's drugs, you know, or the spandex and that that so many of the women wear and such, right? The yoga pants stuff that you Stop would prefer. It. I don't Let don't them talk have about their yoga pants. <laughs> <laughs> this is where he's a liberal. You see, he's not a true conservative, my friends. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm a man, damn it, a man. That's right. We're, we're ma- that's yeah, where my he eyes has, work. That's that's where he abandons his conservatism. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't work under these conditions. I'm a conservative from the waist up. Uh, okay. All right, all right. Well, anyway, uh, we are assaulted by all these different things, and we're, we're, you know, we're not told to just take it. We just take it. You really think that, that we're suspicious or intolerant, that we're somehow fighting back? I wish we were fighting back. We're not. We're just accepting it because we are the tolerant side. You guys are the intolerant side. And, and whenever there's anyone saying a, the slightest peep that you feel can be misconstrued, well, you get all bent out of, out of knots. It's, it's a big challenge for you. For example, when Ben Carson said that he was concerned about the possibility of a Muslim becoming president, mostly because he was concerned if he believed in Sharia law and, and, and at the expense of the Constitution, well, that, that was just, there was no other way to interpret it other than he was being racist and you felt you were being assaulted. Talk about being suspicious. Like, this is this is too easy, Ari. I mean, I'm sorry. This, this this particular podcast to flip it on Obama's head and, and simply say, "Look, you 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 think we're suspicious? You, sir, are the suspicious one. Every time you, you think a, a Republican is against you, you say that it's we have an agenda to to destroy you. That our entire purpose is to make sure that you are never elected. And putting aside the narcissism involved with that, no, we just don't agree with your policies, Mr. President." When we say we, we don't like Obamacare, it's not because um, we're, sus- we're suspicious. You're the one who's suspicious of us. You suspect us, and you, you assume the most nefarious uh, purposes. The reason why we don't like Obamacare is because it's stupid, because it's dangerous to the economy. It's destructive to the economy. That's why, Mr. President. But, but of course, in his own narcissistic way, he believes it's all about him. That we're try- it's it's racist. Do you understand? Did you, did you, did you see, see how suspicious that yeah, is? Yeah. Did you see a sixty minutes interview with Steve Croft? 
Uh, the other no, day. I, I did not. I taped it. I watched some of it. And what's shocking about it, forget the content, is the way this man is completely devoid of reality. It's like Steve Croft, who's been nothing but the softballist interviewer of him for seven years, finally went in there and said, yeah, I, I'm really sorry, Barry, but I got to do some journalism here, so please don't kill me for this or start an investigation of my dog and my family. I actually have to ask you some questions. He asked him some real questions about ISIS. And oh, that's right. And Russia and everything. So, you can tell someone's real reaction by their physical wincing and sort of the, the, the mental bridges they cross before the words come out of their mouth. And the wincing that this man did, based on the realities of certain questions, indicate or lack of wincing, indicated to me that this man, most dangerously, lives in a dream world. Yeah. He has, he has what Steve Jobs had. He truly has a reality distortion device implanted in his brain. And he believed... I, I made a joke to you earlier before the show about, you know, I have this belief of, that I'm great at anything. Like, I'm the best football player in the world. Right. Trot me out in the NFL and I'll make a tap. Uh-uh. I walk out there, I'm dead. <laughs> okay? Well, yeah. That's a reality. I, if you, you can't distort reality that much. It does catch up with you. But this man, God bless him, he's trying. He's <laughs> given the reality distortion field. He's running through all the gears trying to get it to work. And it, it's gotten to the point where it don't work anymore. Yeah, it's 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 a little childlike, right? When you, yeah. I mean, we, we both have young daughters, and I'm sure your daughter uh, at once one point saw uh, some ice skaters on TV, and she says to you, "Daddy, I want to do that." Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's almost inevitable. I take her ice skating, and she cries. Right. And, and then, <laughs> and she discovers that she cannot do all these wild flips in the air. <laughs> right. Not I mean, the first time. She, she thinks she's going to do that, but seriously. Yeah. They think. They're going to go on the ice, and they're going to start twirling like, like Michelle Kwan, right? Boom, because it, it looks so easy. I mean, that's, that's part of her grace, of course. She makes it look so easy. But it, it ain't that easy. Oh, that, there I am, that wild hick. I, say, I use the word hit, ain't. Soon I'm going to say youngin'. It ain't that easy, y'all. Y'all. <laughs> anyway, going past that. Um, mow your lawn. They might find so, a car in there. That's right. So we have... Um, I mean, that's that's the mindset that this president has. He he really truly thinks, he truly thinks that um, the, first of all, the world listens to him. They believe everything he says, and that the world is as he believes it and wants it to be. And uh, you need no look no further than two different two two particular things. One is that uh, the way he treats Iran, okay, and and the fact that he actually thinks that they're going to honor. The deal that he made with them, that that to me is completely reflective of what we just talked about, and then secondly, uh, that he thinks that Obamacare actually will work, that any socialized system will work. You 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 believe those two things? God bless you, because that's just saying that's uh, a piece of paper, and it's just like you said, uh, I'm a great football player because I I've got a helmet on and I've got my padding on and I'm on the football field. And now I'm a great football player. No, you're not. Yeah, and no one told me I'm not. Right? <laughs> That's right. This is a this is a president with self-esteem issues all of a sudden. Way too much. Yeah, way too much. No, but but we're going back to the the religion part a bit, and and this is his contempt for religion. It, it it it's reflective, and I don't really want to make this so much about Obama and his contempt for religion, but I do want to I want to talk about it more in the context of how. Religion is so significant in this society that it really does give us the perspective that you just can't have without it. And, and today's society reflects exactly that, whether it comes to the Muppets and how they deal with themselves and, and, and the producers of the Muppets, whether it deals uh, with, with gay marriage debate and the incredible energy that, that is infused into that, uh, the bizarre... Uh, attack upon anybody who has a, uh, disagrees with global warming, that we should all be arrested no less for that. It's a bizarre world. The, the, all of us, the conservatives among us, are saying, what is happening to this world? I, I mean, yes, you can believe whatever you want to believe, my friend, but the energy, the, 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 the daggers in their eyes as they speak to you, that's what I'm talking about. And it's a, it's a world without perspective at the end of the day. And why? Because we've lost all of our faith in God as a collective society and indeed have even adopted, like our president, a certain contempt for it. This is Barack Lurie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Why can't I say 
what they want Why can't they just say what they need? Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case involving a $220,000 promissory note, and you won a trial, but later discovered that the defendant had transferred all his assets? Dennis, when judgment debtors don't want to pay, they may shift assets over to their relatives, asking them to hold them till the coast is clear. How did you get the payment? The defendant had transferred title to two commercial buildings. We convinced them to admit it was an illegal transfer. That led to a great settlement with guarantees from relatives with penalties. And don't you know, they're making payments every month on time like clockwork. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM 870, The Answer. Uh, this is Brooke Lurie. We are back from our break. Uh, thanks so much for tuning back in. All right, so new developments have occurred. And again, we try to make this a timeless show, but it's, it's very interesting because it's emblematic of what we believe. And um, it, we think it shows something. What do I mean? Uh, there are two events that have come out recently. The, as you may know, there's been a uh, debate among the Democrats, their first debate. And uh, by and large, uh, Hillary Clinton has come out uh, to be the winner of that. But it's not that I, I want to say anything other than Hillary Clinton was the winner of it. She, she held her own pretty well. But at the same time, I don't think there was much confrontation that she had to, dealt, to deal with, right? There, was, there were no tough questions from the, uh, uh, the interviewers, uh, the, the, the moderators. And uh, there was a lot of support and very few tough questions from her fellow Democrats. Well, it's, I'd say, actually, and this is odd coming for me, the, the questions from Cooper were very tough. He actually committed a ton of random acts of journalism, as Limbaugh would say. <laughs> it, was, it was one tough question after the other. But there was no follow-through by the opponents to force any of them to force each other to answer Yes, no, but, but that's kind of my point, because, um, okay, you, you have a good point. I Maybe I should have clarified. But she, there, was, there was not toughness in the air, so to speak. There were no real challenges, because to say, for example, let's just throw it out, uh, you know, how can you consider to be a trustworthy person, Mrs. Clinton, when you can't even level with the population regarding your emails? Let's say he said that, and I know he didn't. Yeah. But, and, then, and then she answered it, and she said, well, because I, I, not one of them was marked classified, and that's the reason why they don't know, and I understand that, but, you know, I wish I had done it differently. Um, next question, please. Okay, thank you very much, Mrs. Clinton. Well, then, then she looks like a winner, but there's been no follow-up, like you said, and at the end of the day, it, it, it ends up making her look like a strong candidate. But this is really, uh, it, it's, you know, she was competing with um, kindergartners as far as I'm concerned. It was, it was, I mean, the other candidates are not serious contenders, uh, unless you want to call Bernie Sanders, the socialist, uh, a serious contender, and, and I don't think he can be. Um, he, he fills the rooms, yes, but the, he fills the rooms with all the socialists out there. If, if you know, you can fill a room with with all people who like uh, who like Nazism, right? And you'll fill a room. Or air supply, or Ario <laughs> Speedwagon. That's right. Yeah, they don't, will sell you out know, a concert here. You know what? I, I hear you mocking Ario Speedwagon, and I don't I do not like it, sir. Well, get over it. Because they are my again. band. <laughs> Okay, no, they're not my band. <laughs> I, from what I understand, they do inspire violence. So <laughs> Is that right? That's the Ario Speedway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I like Wilco. Uh, they are, the, in fact, um, the intro and the outro of this show. Wilco, they're a very good band. All right. Um, but the, what's interesting is that uh, all the media pundits are telling us Hillary won. All the people are saying, uh, you know, because I have a number of liberal Democrat friends on Facebook and whatever, all of them are saying Bernie Sanders won. 
So the point is they both won because neither challenged the other. And whoever likes, whoever is the fan base of this, these candidates, in the case of Clinton, media, in the case of Sanders, the Democrat, yeah. faithful, to them, they won. Okay, so, uh, you know, they, okay, you're right, they won. And it was, it was not meaningful at all. And what was most telling... And as we often say in our law firm and, and otherwise, and also on the Brucklery show on Sunday, we, we talk about how uh, you can glean a lot of information, not only from what people say, but what they're not saying. Um, you know, not only in court uh, arguments that, that they're not telling the, the judge. Well, they're not telling you, judge, that they actually did pay the money. They're saying, they're saying that the money was paid, which begs the question, by whom, for example, right? And... The same thing is true with these debates. Think of all the, the questions that were not discussed, the issues that were not discussed. I'll just rattle off a few. And then after I'm done with that, why don't you rattle off it yourself, uh, Ari? Because this just comes you know, from the seat of my pants. Um, they didn't talk about the Syrian migration situation. They didn't talk about ISIS. They didn't talk about Israel, not once. Uh, they barely talked about Russia. At, at that, I don't think they talked very much at all about Russia. Um, they didn't talk about the threat from China. They didn't talk about the hacking incidences. Um, they didn't talk about um, uh, what's happening in Africa and the, the Boko Haram and so on. And uh, they barely talked about the economy. Go ahead. You tell me what other things they, they didn't mention. The IRS abuse of citizens, the NSA spying on citizens, the AP's harassing of reporters by the administration of citizens and journalists. They didn't talk about Fast and Furious. They didn't talk about border security. They didn't talk about how terrible the education system is because of the lock, hammer lock on our education system that teachers unions have. They didn't talk about the need to make oil prices lower for the average consumer. They didn't talk about the national debt. They didn't say the words ISIS or ISIL. They didn't talk about how dangerous jihad is to freedom of Americans or safety of people worldwide. All right, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, you, you, I can go for idea. about an hour. The yeah. point is they didn't mention any of those things. No. And I think your point is, and this is a brilliant point, compared to the Republican debates, which has its fair share of candidates that you and I consider substandard for several reasons, along with some good candidates, it was birdbath deep. Yeah. There, was, there was nothing there. Nothing. And, and this is going to get to our next point, because it, you, you may ask the question, how can it be that when there are so many topics to discuss, there are so many evils in the world to defeat and so many good guys to support and such like that, like, like Israel being a, a, such a great example, how is it that they, they, they managed to dance around every single one and instead talked about things like uh, the need for more unions, for higher minimum wage, for climate change uh, dealings and things like this? How is it that they managed to skirt around just about everything? And, and I think the reason is uh, that their utter focus on anything but uh, God, which is another topic they didn't discuss, by the way, now that I think about it, uh, their utter, utter, utter lack of focus on God. You see, the Republicans, by and large, not every one of them, of course, they, back in the background, at the very least, is the, the, the respect and understanding that God informs their decisions. That's true for Marco Rubio. It's, it's certainly true for Ted Cruz. It's, it's, it's true for... Uh, just about every one of the candidates, uh, maybe not Rand Paul, I don't know. But it's, it's, a, it's in the discussion. Even with Donald Trump, he talks about it. And yes, he's not that observant compared to most, but he still speaks the lingo. And I think that without um, the, the language of God, the God informing you, you, you will inevitably end up not seeing the real issues and focus instead on the very mundane issues, or for that matter, non-existent issues. Uh, example, global warming. Okay, this is, this is a, a, the ultimate non-issue. It doesn't exist, and that is a man-made global warming that will actually you know, destroy the earth sort of thing, the impending doom of global, warm, global warming by man. Uh, that, that issue doesn't exist. It's a, it's a concocted issue. And yet they focus on it as though it is the number one thing to, to be concerned about ever, ever, okay? Greater than ISIS, greater than Russia, greater than China, you name it. It's greater, greater than nuclear armaments building up in Iran or otherwise. 
This is how they think. And, and there's a recent comment that was posed to, or a question was posed to Hillary Clinton, and, and they asked her, what do you perceive to be wrong about socialism? Her response, crickets. Just, she had no idea. She didn't answer the question. I mean, other than to say, I mean, do you remember specifically well, what she yeah, said? Well, yeah, her answer is a non-answer because her real answer is, let me just put truth in her words. She has to say to that voting base of that party, not only is there nothing wrong with socialism, it's great because she knows the base voters of that party are all socialists. Right. They all are. Well, Bernie Sanders' uh, votes are, of course. She, 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 okay. So, so, but she didn't say specifically that there's anything wrong with socialism. And, and the question now becomes, does she herself believe that there really is nothing wrong with socialism? Does she actually believe in socialism, right? Or is it just political, right? Now, if she, if he, if she truly believes in socialism, well, then she's certainly not leading the life of a socialist by any stretch. I mean, she certainly is making hand over fist with um, her husband's speeches and the, the Clinton Foundation and perhaps with her books from time to time and her speeches. So that doesn't make it, that doesn't jibe with reality. And if she uh, is doing it for political purposes, well, then uh, that's that's bizarre too. Then then there's a contra- an internal contradiction because she can't. She can, on the one hand, hope to to achieve the presidency being a socialist. So it's it's very bizarre. But the fact that it gains traction, that we've gotten to the point where an American running for president can say, I don't think there's anything wrong with socialism, and in fact, socialism may be a good thing. Uh, You have to ask, how can we possibly have gotten here? And then you have to look at the other side of it, which is when... Any Republican dares to act like a conservative in public. The media says to them, aren't you being too right-wing? How will anyone <laughs> yeah. vote for you? You're right-wing. Yes, yes. If you're, yeah, capitalist and right is now a right-wing phrase. So, um, yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Now, look, uh, I think the, how it got to, because I, I posed this question, how is it that we got to this point? And... If you think about it, it's really inevitable, isn't it, that some American, uh, a, a mainstream American running for president like Hillary Clinton, and to some extent Bernie Sanders, because he's getting so much traction. He's not some, you know, he's, he's getting a lot more traction than, than Ralph Nader ever got. And you can't say he's some fringe politician. He's a sitting senator. I, I know. and and He is, as they say, electable. Right. He's won elections. So it's mainstream. And, and, yes. And, and bear with me, Ari. We've got a socialism uh, mantra that's going on right now, and you have to ask why and how is this possible? And I think the answer is so clear. It's because, I, I don't want to be a one-trick pony, but I think it's because we're becoming more and more a godless society. And with, you know, look at every socialist country, every single one. There's no such thing as a religious socialist country. It doesn't exist. Okay, you, you can't. They don't go hand in hand because big government doesn't jibe well with the notion of love of God. Love, if you have love of God, that means you have love of freedom, which means that you want less government in your life. And right? you also have something other than worship of government. Right, right. So the socialist structure it basically says we'll take care of everything. Uh, the, the, uh, the God structure or the capitalist structure says, no, we take care of ourselves. Thank you very much, which I prefer. And I think that's the right way to do. Um, and uh, listeners now saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, he, he wants people to be out in the streets and be homeless." As if I as if I said that, right? No, but we do believe that the the so-called safety net is uh, should only be that a safety net, not a primrose path with uh, you know Fabergé eggs given to you and and that you never even have to get out of that safety net ever again because it's so comfortable. They, they want the safety net to be a hammock with margaritas and, um, and, and people fanning you all, all along the way, right? Or, or even better images, rather than a safety net, what they want is a smothering blanket that stifles all. Yeah, okay. You know, like right, a wet right. blanket so, so on let, fire. So let, but let's get back to the, to the God But thing. it also comes from the culture. Um, our, our education system has become full of, of faux science 
where because of intellectualism, people ignore their actual miracles in front of their eyes, and the the entertainment and and social culture has left no room for God. But don't you see? That's my whole point. Yes. That the reason why there's no more room for God is because they've taken God out of the equation in the first place. Whether it's because of all these rules or all these uh, cases that that basically shut down God in the public square or otherwise. The, the point is that God is becoming less and less uh, a factor uh, in our lives, both culturally, legally, and politically, and yes. even and certainly in the business world. And as a consequence, people are kind of searching for meaning. And you know, it's it's like I call it the purse rule. Do you know what the purse rule is? Uh, uh, ladies will know what this means. The if you give a lady a, a bigger purse and ask her what will you do with this, she'll say they'll all say the same thing. They'll say I'll fill it up with more stuff. Right, and there's only so many hours in the day, in in your life, and in the school a day, and the business day, and such like that. But in the school day, you take away God, you take away a sense of of what is really orchestrating all this, and you'll end up filling the day, as it were, filling the purse, with all sorts of other crap. If it's not God, well, they'll fill it fill it up with something else, and usually it's antithetical to God. And we're not talking about uh, you know a prayer session to God in school every no. day, where the where the students face east towards Mecca and lay on a rug or say <laughs> the Lord's Prayer. We're talking about simple stuff. For instance, when I was in elementary school, every morning began with the Pledge of Allegiance, and the G word is in there. Right. That is enough. <laughs> the G word. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so so. Bear with me while I just go through this last point. Um, you, you cannot have a the society that, that we feel is structured and moving forward without God. And it's inevitable that we will end up with this love and embrace of socialism the more and more godless that we become. It has to happen. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll go into communism, but it will. it does necessarily mean that the more we go into socialism and the more we give away our freedoms, the more ultimately later on we will go to some sort of communal dictatorship or alternatively a, uh, a power-grabbing um, strongman. That, that's, that's inevitable because without God, there is no freedom. And it always leads, when you have the worship of government, one way or another, it leads to the gulag or the gas chamber. Yeah. One uh, way or another. Yeah, as, as, you say, and I, as you say, and I agree, that, that is the number one thing. Here's another thing that has happened in the news that's reflective of um, godlessness. The Obama administration recently um, has decided to characterize the violence that's happening in Jerusalem. There's sporadic violence right now happening where there are knife attacks by the Palestinians who are attacking uh, Israelis at random at bus stops and otherwise, whether you're uh, an old woman or a young man, it doesn't matter, they'll, they'll, you'll be that victim. And it's, it's quite terrifying and it's quite disturbing to watch these videos because it can actually be seen. And how does the Obama administration respond to this? They say, well, um, Israel is engaging in acts of terrorism too, and basically is equating the two. Uh, they, they don't say the Palestinians should stop, but perhaps the Palestinians are doing this because of Israel's so-called occupation of the West Bank and the, the settlements that they're building there. And the incitement. They use the word incitement. Ah, why not? Yes. Yeah. It's always about incitement. So... Um, the, the fact that this administration could so wantonly say this is terrorism uh, when because they're focusing apparently there was allegedly there was a couple of Israelis who attacked some Arabs and the, the administration just jumped on it like it was I don't know use your favorite uh, analogy like uh, you know, like a kid at a candy store they just they were so excited to, to describe this as, as terrorism where, where, <laughs> when, when, what's his name? There's the Fort Hood shooter, and he kills all those people. They can't call that terrorism. That's workplace violence. But this one, oh, they can easily describe what, what's really going on here. But put that aside, even if it were true, to, to say that now because of these one band of idiots who, who've done this, that somehow it's an equal playing field, that Israelis and Palestinians are each kind of engaging this, this civil war between each other, and no one's at fault, but both. No, yeah, it's, it's you know a pox on both your houses, so to speak, um, and the both sides need to kind of stop the, the madness. This is the, the the official mantra now from the White House. 
So I asked the question, and, and, and is it, you know, and putting aside what we know about Obama and what we believe about Obama, both you and me, okay, let's just say that this is any American president doing this. Not, it's, we'll call him President Smith. And President Smith said exactly that, and, and we're now in the future somehow, okay? It's 20 years from now. And, uh, and all you know is that the President of the United States, named President Smith, has said exactly what we just said, that the, both sides need to, to chill out, and they're both equally guilty of terrorism, and um, they need some sort of mediator. You would say that America has lost its sense of what is right and what is wrong. Right? They, they, they are unable to see moral clarity anymore. Maybe that's because too many people are playing video games, maybe nobody's learned history, or whatever reason, but you, you'd conclude that they don't have moral clarity anymore. Here's what I would conclude. I would conclude, if, if we were to hear that 20 years from now from a, a, you know, a makeshift president that is, is nameless right now, I would say America has, has lost God. It has completely abandoned God at this point because it doesn't understand basic human decency and that that basic human decency exists in Israel and it doesn't exist among the radical Palestinians and the radical uh, Arab countries that surround Israel. But that, that's, that's the way I would look at it. And I, and I think I'm right because if you do have a sense of God, if you truly know where God is in your life and, and that God informs your life and that God is everywhere, you would, you would be able to see this clearly because it's so transparent. It's so obvious. Uh, you, you're, you're seeing which, from which direction the terrorism is really flowing, and you understand that it can only be one way. I fear for this country. I fear for uh, increased godlessness. As you know, I'm re- writing a book on this. I, I am terrified of a Growingly, a growing secular world, a growing godless world in particular. And people are talking a lot about um, radical Islam, and I, I agree, it's a very big concern. Uh, we, we do need to fight against radical Islam, it's, and we need to have the passion to fight it. And we talked about this before in a previous podcast. Um, I forget the exact title, but we, we, the passion with which to fight. If you don't have passion, you ain't going to win that war. Right? No war has ever been won with that passion from the winner, period. Whether that's the revolution, the civil war, uh, Israel's independence war, the French Revolution, you name it, there's never been a war that has been won without passion. And that, unfortunately, applies to Afghanistan and, and Iraq as well. We didn't have the passion, and we're losing. Okay. <sighs> Very frustrating to, to, to relay all this. But how do you get the passion? Right? You cannot have passion without God. You have to be, you have to have your own sense of, of your own purpose. And if you don't have God in your life, well, and if you're a true atheist, you'll say, what's the point of this altogether? Why, why are we even here? Why should I fight? Why, why should I die for this country, for, for later generations? Well, I'll be gone by that time. Thank you very much. I'm just going to take what I have while I can. You know what's so incredible about what you just said, not to interrupt you? Go ahead. You just said, why would I die for later generations? Yeah. All I think about each and every day from the time I wake up until I go to sleep at night is future generations. Yeah. That's all I think about. Mm. I'm obsessed with my grandchild- my great-grandchildren's generation living in freedom. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to die. I'm not going to be there, but I care about it. And I'm, I'm so enraged. I could have picked any word, but I pick enraged that other people don't care as much about the future as I do. Right. I, I'm astounded people don't care because I know five generations in my past, my ancestors who were living in terrible places in, in the uh, Russian Pale where the Jews were forced to live in Russia or in some terrible little town in, in Poland where they were subject to pogroms, all thought, God... I pray that a future generation of our family will live in freedom right. and be and be free to go to synagogue. That's right, and that, and and hence, by the way, the belief in a true messianic feature for one thing. And then next next year in Jerusalem, we say as well, there's a sense that there is a future that will be better, and that we are fighting for that future. But you can't fight for that future if you don't believe in God. 
It, because if you don't believe in God, it means all that matters and all that exists is what you see before you. You're on this train ride, and it's a, you know what? It's, it's popcorn. Life is popcorn. It's not a nourishing meal. It's just what, what floats your boat for the time being, for these, for these two hours of this movie. How about that? Right? That, that's what it is. mechanically stick it in your mouth and chew. Yeah. When it's, it's a, over, it's over, and so yeah. what? Right. I mean, it's, what a sickening attitude. It, it, it is. And, and also, look how this attaches to the abortion issue. Mm-hmm. How many people are on the opposite side philosophically than we are on that issue? And they don't look at life as a miracle. Yeah. At all. I was thinking when you were talking about where do people get their belief in God? They get it when they witness a miracle. And we see miracles every day, large and small. And so many people just ignore the fact that being alive is a miracle. It, it really is. Uh, it's that extraordinary. And seeing a birth is that extraordinary. And we can talk about that. The miracles, and I, I, look, I'm with you 100%. But you just decided it's not a miracle, I suppose. The fact that the sun sets consistently as it does every day, uh, and that we can, that, that there's so much math behind everything that we see, and so much um, uh, wisdom that we see, and 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 the complexity of the the human condition, and our our each and every cell being so complex, and the progress that we've made, and how different different we are from the animals, and the perfection of our Earth. Uh, in its placement, not only in the solar system, but in the galaxy. It's just it, it's so extraordinary. And to not see that is, it takes a, there's a blindness going on that is breathtaking, just breathtaking. Because, and you don't even have to be a scientist. I'm not one. You don't have to be a mathematician. I'm not one. You don't have to be a statistician. I'm not one. But, I, but you have to know only a little bit about all those things to, to fully appreciate, fully, that there is not only probably a God, but there must be a God. And, and you cannot possibly be passionate about anything, anything, unless you understand that there's a God in the, at the end of the day. I know, that, I know that sounds like a really bold statement. And that you're part of his miracle by just you are. by being alive. You are. Just and by being right. in the arena. But, but, but many people, will, an atheist listening to this will, you know, not correctly say it, but will say, come on, Barack and Ari, you have gone too far. Because, you know what, I am an atheist, and I love art, and I'm very passionate about it. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And the question is, are you really? Are you really passionate about this? Because I don't think you are. You may think you're passionate, but at the end of the day, um, let me see your artwork. <laughs> I guarantee you, it doesn't look like uh, Leonardo da Vinci's artwork or, uh, or Michelangelo's artwork. It looks like... Uh, something I might see from a Jackson Pollock thing. That, that's what you're striving for, and you you yourself don't even know what you're what you're what you're doing. You're you're searching for purpose. You're searching for meaning, but your very search for meaning, your passion that you think is out there, is only a search for um, the the God that you that you reject. That's the funny thing about it. We we make our gods regardless. That's the, that's our point, and that's. Dennis Prager talks about this to some extent, but I'm making a slightly different point. I said just now that we make our gods. And if you don't believe and don't know that there's a, the God, as I believe and you believe, of, of the Bible. As in the God. The God. One God. Yeah. Capital Overall. G dash D. <laughs> right. Overall. If you don't believe in that, which is certainly your prerogative, just understand that you will, you will make other gods. And that God will be climate change. That God will be money. Uh, environmentalism of different kinds. It might be money. It might be sex. Justin Bieber's music. Yeah, it, it'll just something, or for that matter, something fluffy and filling, but not satisfying. Such not as nourishing. such as popcorn, popcorn, for example. Yes, your life will will will, will transcend nothing. It will it will be passion free, whether you realize it or not, because you you need to ask the question: Why I why why do I have any passion about anything? What's the purpose of me? Even seeking happiness. What is happiness? What are you living for? So uh, that's the end of the day. And that's why we started off this by, by seeing two trends, two, two things that disturb us quite a bit. One is this trend toward socialism. And the other, uh, this inability to see the evil uh, of the Palestinian radicals, and for that matter, the Muslim radicals, uh, in the Arab-Israeli conflict, and somehow lumping them all together. This is a, a, a strange time. It's a, a time where we're lumping 
everything together. There's, there are no distinctions, whether it's man, woman, good and evil, right? Uh, play and work, for that matter, man and woman, uh, and teacher and student, and so on. Strange. And, and it's all because we are failing to recognize all that God provides. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week. 